a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. doing over these few weeks is looking at some of our values, what's important to us, what we feel God has spoken to us about, some of the ways that uh, he's spoken to us about building Jubilee, and some of the priorities for us, what's important to us, what uh, we feel God's speaking to us about, what he feel, we feel him highlighting to us from his words, and what are some of the emphasis that we're placing on. Uh, in Jubilee. So if you've been with us over recent weeks, then you'll know that we've been looking at some of these things. If you've uh, missed it, I think you can get the uh, messages online from the website. You can catch up. Um, But we've been looking at uh, things such as the importance of worship, the importance of loving God as a priority, as something important over uh, everything else that we do together. We've looked at the importance of building community, of loving one another is the, the phrase the Bible uses that Jesus spoke of himself. We've looked at how pastoral care in the church or looking after and loving one another is done on a journey. It's in the context of mission and reaching out. We looked uh, at a whole subject of reaching out about the priority of having compassion that then stirs us to action, loving those who don't know Jesus yet. And uh, what I want to look at this morning is loving the city, loving the city. So if you're making notes, that's your title, loving the city. And in a moment, we'll look at Jeremiah 29 together. If you've got a Bible with you, you might want to be finding that, Jeremiah chapter 29. But just as you're turning to it, let me give you some background and some context. Then we'll uh, read some verses together and pray and see what God has for us. So the Babylonians now are in charge. They're ruling the roost. They've now uh, taken uh, hold of and captured Judah. And God has judged his people because of years of rebellion and sin and going their own way. And God has used Nebuchadnezzar to, to carry out his judgments. It isn't just that things have gone wrong for them and somehow, whoops, well, they weren't noticing Nebuchadnezzar turned up, but actually what happened was God was behind all this. He uses, certainly at the time at least, a pagan king to carry out what he has determined will happen to his people. And so in 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar came And uh, he comes to Jerusalem and he takes off a whole load of captives to Babylon. And that includes in that group Daniel. If you remember our series in Daniel early in the year, um, you'll see that that happened. You can read about it in Daniel 1. And then in 597 BC, a second group was taken, this time including a guy called Ezekiel, who you may remember from his book as well. And what's happening here, now that the people are away from home, they're not in Jerusalem anymore, they've been taken off as captives to Babylon, there are a whole bunch of false prophets who are speaking into the situation. And these false prophets are saying things like, don't worry, you'll be going home soon. They're saying things like, don't bother to unpack your suitcase. It's okay. You'll be going home before you know it. A couple of years 
here and then you'll, then, then you'll, then you'll be okay. You'll, you'll be off. But Jeremiah, who is clearly God's prophet, writes something quite different to them. And we're going to jump into chapter 29 in a moment and uh, look at what Jeremiah writes to these people and then what God is saying to us through it. So shall we pray and then we'll read the passage together. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for Jeremiah's faithfulness to you. And Lord, as we pray that as we read your word now and spend these few moments looking at it together, Jesus, would you speak to us, please? Holy Spirit, would you come and be our teacher? Help us to understand what we read. Would you apply it to our lives, both individually and corporately, Lord, as a church? Would your word speak into us? Would it fuel us? Would it challenge us? Would it build us up? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Jeremiah... Chapter 29, we'll uh, read from verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. So what Nebuchadnezzar did, he was quite clever. He took the sort of, if you like, the top layer of society. He took the rulers, the the leaders, those who are well educated and able to influence others. He took all them. And so by doing that, that was good for his kingdom because he had a whole bunch of people that he could train and invest in but also it meant that those who were left weren't in a great state either because they didn't have those sort of people to lead and to help organise things. goes on. He entrusted the letter to Elasahar, don't pronounce it like Elsa, rather, son of Shapan, and to Gemariah, Gem, I can't get my teeth in this morning, son of Hilakiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said... This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from where all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into 
exile. So Jeremiah has sent a letter. And this is what we've got recorded now in the book that bears his name. And this passage has a lot for us. It's written to a people who are away from home. Home for them is Jerusalem. They've now found themselves in Babylon. They didn't want to be there. They weren't intending to take the trip. And Jeremiah writes to those who are away from home. Maybe you're away from home. Maybe you're in Derby as a student and you're thinking, oh, I'm away from home. I'm not, not used to being here. Maybe you've just turned up here. Maybe it's, you know, you're a fresher. You're just arrived in the city and you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure what to do, where to go, where everything is. That's pretty much how the people of God would have felt in Babylon. For them, it was not only a different place, but a totally different culture. So different to what they had known from the past. So this letter is written to a people who are away from home. But you know, for those of us who love Jesus and follow him, in some ways we too are away from home because our eternal home, our eternal destiny is with God himself. Actually, it will be a new heaven and a new earth that is recreated at the end of time as we know it. But we're away from our home now. We're citizens of heaven, actually. But we're residents here, aren't we? It's like we've got two passports. We've got your passport from the country you were born in. Actually, we're residents and citizens of heaven as well. So, actually, Jeremiah's letter is written to us. Even if you've lived in Derby for many years, he has something to say to us this morning. We need to bear in mind as well that it's written to a rebellious people. They've been taken off to Babylon. They've been taken away by King Nebuchadnezzar because of their rebellion and sin against God. So it wasn't even that Jeremiah was writing to you know, a faithful, committed group of people. But rather he was writing to those who had been in rebellion against the Lord over many years. And this was why they had been judged for their sin. As we've said already, Daniel 1 makes it very clear that God was behind this. It wasn't just that something went wrong and Nebuchadnezzar turned up, but rather this was God's plan. Nebuchadnezzar had been carrying out, actually, his plan. And they're loving the false prophets. I mean, think about it. If you're in a place that you don't want to be in, and you've got people around you saying, it's okay, you'll be going home in a couple of years. Don't worry about unpacking, don't worry about finding your way around, certainly don't worry about the language. You, you can just, you know, don't worry, it's going to be home soon. They're going to be your friends, aren't they? If you've got people prophesying that, supposedly in God's name, then you want to hear those things. You'll probably enjoy those prophetic words. What you don't want to hear is another prophet writing to you and saying, you know what, it's going to be 70 years. If you had a choice about which one you're going to, you're going to sort of accept, you're probably going to think, well, I prefer the two years, and then we'll go home. But actually, God's word was very clear. 70 years was what he was speaking about. So Jeremiah's news is not going well. He would not have been their favorite person. And the letter that he had written to them may not have gone down well with those who had received it. But he made some very specific instructions to them. If you've got your Bible open, you can see it. He says things like, build houses, settle down, plant and eat, marry, have a family, see your children marry and have a family, increase in number, 
Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper as well. So Jeremiah was writing to them with some very specific instructions. But that was for them in that context. What about for us? What's the application for us this morning? We unfortunately don't have as much time as we'd like to get into the passage and looking at what it was for them. For them, it was a very immediate application. It was, this is what you need to do. This is how it's going to be for you. It's 70 years, so here are some instructions from the Lord. And that was the list of them. But what's God saying to us this morning? How do we read this? What what would Jeremiah be saying to us if he was here? What's God saying to us from this passage? Well, in verse 5 here, you get Jeremiah say this, build houses and settle down. That's how he starts off. I wonder, do you ever watch the program Grand Designs? Have you, you ever seen that? Some of you would be great fans of it, I expect. We watch it sometimes, and uh, you you see people having this normally quite sort of audacious plan, don't you? And they want to build this house that is probably larger than every house that you've experienced so far, and they've got all these ways of doing it, and they want to use certain sort of materials and uh, do it in a certain location, and it consumes them, doesn't it? You see it taking over their lives for often years, actually, as they carry out their plan. Well, you see, just as those sort of projects consume people for years, it doesn't happen overnight. Actually, what Jeremiah is saying here is these things aren't going to happen overnight either. I don't know if any of you have ever built your own home. Uh, It wouldn't be something that I would want to try Uh, That's not my skill set. I prefer to have a house that stands up when it rains and doesn't leak. And so me building something like that is just not going to happen. But some people do. But it doesn't happen just like that. It takes time to do such and carry out such a project. But also, it's not something you do, is it? You're not going to build your own house or build your own home if you're just temporarily in a location just for a couple of years. It wouldn't be worth it, would it? You just rent somewhere. You, you, know, you find some rooms and keep your suitcase ready to go home. But Jeremiah saying, listen, build houses, settle down. Settling down implies roots. It implies connectivity to a community. It implies getting involved. It implies not just being there physically in body, but actually being there in the whole being and being involved and part of the community and society. The the Jews thought they were coming back soon. They had no plans to settle down, no plans to get involved, certainly no plans to start building their own houses. But Jeremiah makes it clear, listen, you're going to be there for a while, settle down, get some roots, become part of the community. So what about you? What about you in Derby this morning? Well, Jeremiah's instructions, I believe, to us would be the same build houses and settle down. Now, none of us know what's going to happen in the next you know, 10, 20, 30 years or so. And God may say go to you because God does say go to people. And there'll be people that are here this morning that I'm sure in months and years to come we will send to other places and God will call to other locations. But if God hasn't done that, then actually God's word to you is to stay and to settle down, 
not just to be detached and observe the society and look at it from a distance, but rather become part of it and seek to influence it, as we'll find out shortly. It doesn't mean, I don't think, it means you have to build your own house. And I'm very pleased about that. What it does mean is settle down, have some roots, become part of the community. He goes on, doesn't he? Plant gardens and eat what they produce. This is another one that's not good for me. I I got three tomatoes off our tomato plants this year. I was pleased. That's progress for me. Okay. (laughs) But again, planting and uh, eating the produce is something that takes time, doesn't it? You know, it doesn't happen overnight. And for the the Jews here, you know, Jeremiah is just reinforcing the message. Listen, build houses, settle down, plant the gardens, organize things. You're going to be there for a while. Get ready to become part of what's happening. You're there for the long haul. And then in verse 6, he goes on, doesn't he? He says, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters. So find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they get that right. So that they too may have sons and daughters. So actually there's three generations here, aren't there, that Jeremiah is talking about. You say, marry, have sons, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Three generations Jeremiah is describing here. You, your children, and your children's children. Bear in mind, they were going to be in Babylon for 70 years. So it's long-term thinking. Jeremiah is helping them to be prepared for this. Now, this is not a uh, marriage preach. It could easily be, perhaps, from uh, that verse. But Jeremiah is encouraging us to think long-term. And he goes on, doesn't he? Increase in number, do not decrease. So he's saying, you know, marry, have children, increase in number. He has echoes of Genesis 1, where Adam and Eve are told to be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That will be God's words to us as well. And then in verse 7, Jeremiah goes on from talking about just personal things and perhaps their family life to actually more about the city. And he says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. He goes on, because if it prospers, you will prosper. So now he's asking them to widen their horizons, to think not just of themselves and their family, but to look at the situation they found themselves in, look at the city that God has taken them to, and he's asking them, bear in mind they didn't want to be there in the first place, to pray for it, to seek the peace of it, to seek the prosperity of it, because if it prospers, they will prosper as well. And this is the verse that I believe is particularly relevant for us, to pray for our city, to seek the peace of it, because it it prospers, then we prosper as well. Have you noticed that very often it's easy for people to knock the place they come from, don't they? Have you ever, have you, do you ever notice that? Maybe, maybe you've done that. You know, maybe you grew up in a place and you'd say, 
oh, it was a tiny place. Didn't like growing up there. Didn't have every, didn't have anything. And I was couldn't wait to get out and get to the big city. And actually, I found that often, not only do people not the place that they're from originally, but it's very easy to get into a mindset to not the place that you're at, isn't it? I think this is particularly true of Derby. You find an awful lot of negativity about the city. And it surprised me uh, when I when I first came here. And but actually, I found it to be true. I think people are often quite negative about Derby. Let me say it really clearly. I love this place. When God first spoke to me about moving here, I'd never even heard of it. I had no idea where it was where it was, and I certainly hadn't been here. But I love it. I really do. God has called me here, and I want to see it prosper. I want to pray for it, seek the peace of it, and see it prosper. You know, I love the investment. I love the new buildings. Think about all that's happened in Derby maybe over the last 10 or 15 years or so. The place has completely changed from what it was. You know, new buildings, Pride Park, the Westfield Shopping Centre, the bus station, even the building we're in this morning, Quad. This wasn't here a few years ago. But because the city prospers, because new buildings are built, we get a good place to meet. You get comfy seats on a Sunday morning. Some of you look particularly pleased about those comfy seats right now. But you know, the fact that good things are happening to the city, the fact that there's investment, there are new jobs being created, things are being built, things are happening, is good for the city. It's actually good for us as well. I wonder, do you seek the prosperity of Derby. Do you pray for it to prosper? Are you praying for some of the key employers in the city? So when you see on the news, you know, places like, I know, Bombardier, for example, what's your reaction? Do you think, oh, that's a shame. Glad I haven't got any friends that work there, or glad I don't work there. And that, our reaction should be to pray. Regardless of the, the business um, <clears throat> reasons or the politics behind decisions, we should be praying for prosperity in this city. And it's good to do that. And Jeremiah makes it very clear that the Jews are to pray for the prosperity of Babylon. I think God is saying to us, let's pray for the prosperity of the city. Do you pray for local businesses? As you drive past them, maybe, or as you see situations, you pray for God to prosper them and to bless them. You see, as the city prospers as a whole, new jobs are created, new people move, things happen, there are new people to reach out to, and the gospel goes forth. Now, we should be praying for God to bless the city and to bless um, different companies and businesses in it. But more than that, more than just the prosperity side of things, God is speaking to us about engaging with the city, about engaging with the community that he's called us to be part of. You see, Derby should be a better place to live because there are Christians here looking to make a difference. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? I wonder what would Derby be like if in a moment God took all the Christians from this place? either took them to heaven or took them to another place. Would anybody notice? Would the city change? don't know. But actually, Derby should be a better place to live 
because there are Christians here looking to make a difference. And by talking about Derby, I mean Derby and the surrounding areas. I know some of you travel in to be with us on a Sunday morning, and we're very grateful for that. But the Derby and the places that you are from, the surrounding areas, should be different because there are Christians there looking to engage and looking to make a difference. This is a passage about engaging with the culture, isn't it? Too many Christians shy away from getting involved, from engaging, thinking that that's ungodly. They should be just sort of locked up in church praising Jesus. Well, being in church with other believers, uh, praising Jesus is good, but it's not the whole story. We should be out there looking to make a difference, engaging with the culture, engaging with communities. And if you engage, you get stuck in. You get to meet people where they're at. You get to learn what's important in a society or in a community. And you get some great illustrations as well as you learn to talk to people and find out what's going on in their lives. You find that God speaks to you in it. Think about it. Acts 17, Paul finds uh, himself in Athens. And when he's there, he finds a city that is full of idols. So what does he do? Does he set up a petition against the idols? Does he stand and criticize the people of Athens for, for worshipping them? No. He uses them as a preaching illustration. Acts 17. Paul stands up and says, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Because there are idols everywhere. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So Paul uses something of the culture that is ungodly, idol worship, it's bad, (laughs) the Bible prohibits it very clearly, but Paul uses it as a starting point, because he knows its importance to the people of Athens. So he doesn't stand up and criticise them, speak against it, he says, I can see that You're very religious people, but you haven't quite understood what you're worshipping. Let me explain it to you. And so he takes them on the journey from where they're at right now in a city full of idols that they're used to worshipping. He takes them on the journey to show them Jesus. But he can only do it like that because he's engaging with the culture and finding out what's important to the people that he's ministering to. So if it was important for Paul, if it was important for uh, Jeremiah and the people in his day about settling down, engaging with the culture, getting to know people, having families, praying for the peace and prosperity of the location that they were in, what are the actions for us this morning? What do we need to do as a result of this morning's message? Well, firstly, number one, I believe we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray for the city, pray for the local council, pray for our politicians, pray for those in authority, pray for the police, for business, for education, for health, and so the list goes on. So when we gather to pray on Tuesday night, as we will at half past seven at the Hallmark Hotel, I'm trusting many of you will be there, we're going to spend a whole load of time praying for Alpha, which is happening simultaneously, so it'd be good to to pray for that particularly. We're going to pray as well for our city. 
to have our eyes just outside the immediate things that are facing us and pray for the wider context. We're going to pray for some of these people and for the local council and authorities. So the first action for each of us is always to pray. Secondly, it's to serve. Secondly, it's to serve. Now, this can uh, apply personally. I think there's some actions here for us personally. It applies maybe to your small group, to your life group. It applies to us as a church. And it also applies to us working with other churches in the area that we're in as well. So there are some uh, numbers of different actions here. But you know, <clears throat> to serve in a local community, in a city or in a town, it spreads the good name of Jesus. And people find out that his church can be a blessing to them and make a difference as opposed to being an arcane, out-of-date group of people that are disengaged and not really involved. So how can you serve the city personally? Well, obviously by praying, as we've talked about, is a good starting point. But also support those in authority. Seek to become an advocate of good things where you can. Look for ways to get involved personally. Maybe God will speak to some of you about becoming a local counsellor. Maybe for some of you, God will speak to you about becoming part of your neighbourhood board. You might think, oh no, that's just going to be hours of endless meetings. Well, there will be meetings and probably many hours of them. But listen, it's a way of you getting to know people and getting involved in your local community, seeking to make a difference in the place where you live. Maybe for some of you, God might speak to you about becoming a school governor. I've talked about this recently as as I've become a governor in in recent years. Again, it's a way of being involved, of serving, seeking to bless, and also meeting a whole load of people who who don't know Jesus yet. What can you do to serve the city personally. Maybe for you it's getting involved in some things that we do together and you're giving your energy and support to that. What about as a, uh, as a life group? How can you serve the city as a small group? Well, maybe as a life group you could you know, look around the location you meet in and think, oh, we could make a difference there in that local park. We could clear that up or remove that graffiti or help in that situation or be involved there. Why not just take a look you know, with open eyes around the location God has put you in and think, what could you do as a small group? What could you do as a life group together? Maybe even over these next few months running up to Christmas particularly. <coughs> Maybe there's an old folks home down the road. You could make contact with them and say, can we come and serve you guys at Christmas? Can we come and, come and help at all? Maybe go and take a carol service, go and bless some residents. What is it you could do that could make a difference to serve and to love and to bless people as a small group over the next few weeks and months? I know some of you, particularly in uh, small groups, are taking on getting uh, food parcels for Faith, Hope and Enterprise. And it's great to have had some feedback uh, recently from Kevin about some of the people that have had some of those food parcels. I know many of you are collecting food and other things for those. That's another way of being involved and serving the city and blessing people and making a real difference to people. I think some of the stories are on the blog, on the website. You could take a look at that to read up on there. What about as a church? How can we serve the city? 
what can we do together? Last week, Sarah talked about SMILE, which is our project that works with uh, children with additional needs. And uh, that's a growing thing. We're starting to, to touch more families and serve more kids now, which is great and uh, exciting to see it grow and develop. And she spoke about that last week. Maybe some of you want to be involved in that. Maybe for some of you, uh, you might want to get involved in things that we're doing with other churches in the city, like street pastors, for example, who are out on the streets in the city on a Friday and Saturday night looking to make a difference and serve and love people in that environment. Maybe there'll be other things that we do under the Love Derby banner, looking to make a difference and to serve and to bless people where they are. I wonder, what is it going to be for you? You see, it's very easy for Christians to always be against something, isn't it? You notice that? How about if we were for something rather than just against it? So we can pray, we can serve and we can influence as well. Rather than just be speaking against something, but rather we can influence something for good. So let's be looking to affect the arts, music, media, culture. Look to bless and to serve. We can see the kingdom of God come in some of these areas of life. You see, in years gone past, there have been men and women like, I don't know, Shaftesbury, Wilberforce, and others who were all driven by their Christian faith, but who made a tremendous difference in society. In fact, they were involved in things that were, in their time and culture, what was normal would be things that we would look back on now and think, that's not normal, it's abhorrent. The things like slavery, for example. And in Wilberforce's day, that was just normal. That was what happened. That's how it was. But it took someone like him to say, that's not right. I'm going to make a stand and look at make, making a difference. Maybe for some of you, God will speak to you about some of those things. Maybe you won't have the famous profile of people like that. But maybe in your workplace or your university, your street or amongst your friends, maybe you'd be able to make a change, make a real difference where you live. You see, by Christians loving the city, loving the place that they're from, seeking to serve people, we can make a real difference, friends. We can love people who are far from Jesus and look at serving the city as we do that. As we finish, I want to show you a uh, short video that we showed again at North this year, which illustrates some of the different projects that are happening uh, around the region, uh, different community engagement projects. And I wanted to show it this morning where to stir some ideas, because there are some things that we're involved in, like supporting the faith, hope and enterprise work, which is great. There are some things we're doing, like SMILE, which is good. But I want us to be doing more because I believe we should be making a greater difference in the city and in the wider area that God has called us to. And so in showing this, I'm hoping that it will stimulate some thought and maybe God will speak to you as we watch it. Let's show it now, thanks. God has called us.
wants to build churches that change communities. Churches right across the north are seeking to engage with their local communities, serve people and demonstrate God's love in all sorts of practical ways. Now we could have picked any number of churches to feature, but here are just a few examples of what's going on across the north. It's a real privilege to be able to partner with Christians Against Poverty here at Christ Central, where we provide free debt advice and solutions to people in Salford and parts of Manchester. <coughs> Through CAP, we're able to visit people in their homes and meet some very real, practical needs that many people face as a result of their debt. We see numerous people struggling under the pressure and burden of it. But what's great is that we get to demonstrate God's love for them, offering them hope, praying with them, and even sharing the gospel. What excites us most is when we get to see clients and their families become Christians and get stuck into church life. We have real faith to see this happen more and more as we continue to see God's blessing at work in our community. In 2010, County Church Wandsbeck in Northumberland launched their Community Help Hub. In an area of high unemployment, it offers free computer and landline facilities to local people seeking jobs or to access benefits. Now, some need help to write a CV for the first time, while others use the computers to search job opportunities or complete online applications. They also have free use of telephones to call possible employers, and this is all financed by the church. The hub is open three days a week and is staffed by volunteers who offer a warm welcome and practical help. In this way, County Church is seeking to serve the local community and demonstrate something of the love of God. <coughs> In its first year, over 1,500 people have used the service. In the process, the church has gained visibility and a good name in the local community. It has also made many new friends. Some are now coming along to Sunday worship, and one or two have even been on a home album. Life. We've been amazed at, within six months how God has opened up doors. Uh, we started with a, a, just a, an embryonic idea of providing some food for one or two families that came to us. And really over Christmas 2010, things developed to such a point that we were giving away one food box every week. And now we're able to put a bit more money behind what we're doing. And uh, the thing has just blossomed. We've got links with the council that we never had before. We have got local businesses offering furniture. We're not only providing food, but also providing uh, accommodation. And uh, it's just opened up for a church that really is still quite young and limited in our resources. We've been able to help our town and serve our town in, ama in amazing ways, really. And uh, we just uh, really feel privileged to have been able to get involved in these different ways. Language is a project run by Action Foundation, a charity that was started as a response to the needs of the local community by City Church in Newcastle. This project provides free English classes to asylum seekers and other migrants who can't access it elsewhere in Tyneside. 
Now, there's a high ratio of volunteer classroom assistance to learners, which dramatically improves the learning environment and also encourages friendships, building a sense of community for people that have none. During the classes, friendships are formed and understanding between both volunteers and learners increases, breaking down barriers and misunderstandings between different cultures. Action Foundation is making such a difference to so many people, and it's all run and supported through the local church. These examples stir your faith and inspire you to get involved where you are. Let's seek to build churches that advance the kingdom and transform the world. Churches that bring the life and hope of the gospel to cities, towns and villages right across the north. There's some examples of what other churches are doing, and uh, they're not all big churches either. So don't fall into the trap of thinking, oh, that's, that's great for huge churches that have got hundreds and hundreds of people and lots of resources. Actually, they're not all like that, and some would have been a similar size to us and uh, are involved in making a difference where they are. So I'm trusting that in showing you the video, looking at Jeremiah's letter, opening up the word of God to us. I'm trusting that God has stirred something in us, looking to really love the city, love the place that God has called you to, really make a difference in that we might see the kingdom of God extended and uh, people come to know him, but also for us to make a real difference in the places he's called us to. So can we stand together? I'm going to pray as we close. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you that you have called us to this place. Lord Jesus, just as you took the Jews to Babylon, Lord, you've brought us here. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us very clearly now about making a difference in the places you've put us. Lord, that we will be engaged with community, the community around us, that we will be part of the society you've called us to be part of. Lord, that we would settle down and build homes and plant gardens and marry and have children and uh, really be a part of what's going on. Lord, help us to have a heart for our city. Help us to have a heart for the town you've called us to. Help us to have a heart for our village, our local community, wherever it is that you've called us to live. Lord, I pray that we would have, even from this morning, a fresh passion for seeing the kingdom of God extended in that place. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you put in us a real love uh, for those around us, a real love for the location, in order that you might help us to love and serve the situations that you've put us in and near. Lord, I pray that we would make a difference. Lord, I pray that individually we would make a difference. Lord, I pray as a church we would make a real difference in this city and beyond. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Look forward to seeing you on Tuesday night uh, at the prayer meeting at Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk 
along on any Sunday morning.